First of all, I just want to let you know if you're, if you're new to the rhythms of a disciple, we are sharing from lots of different saints and followers of Christ through, uh, through history. But we're beginning the rhythms. We're making sure that the rhythms that we're giving you are found in the life that Christ lived. Because Christ came and he said, he is the firstborn of many. What does that make us? The many. Come on, that's right. Brothers and sisters of Christ. And there's also promises in the word that as he is, so are we. That's why we have no fear, because as he is, so are we. And then there's another promise that is huge and that we're all continuing to... Continuing. That's a new word that I just created, because I'm like the Lord and I create stuff. Um, No. Well, I am, but that's not a word. Continuing. We are continuing to follow him. And here's what we're going after, is he said you would do greater things than he did. He said we would do greater things than he did. That is a beautiful invitation for us. So part of us following Christ is we're looking at the, at the life that Christ lived. And then we are, as an act of will, we are willing to know him. And then we are willing to do what he did to bear the fruit that he bore. Amen? Amen. So when we look at these rhythms, we're not saying, oh, here's a cute idea that Jason and I got together the other day and we had like a lot of coffee and then we thought, this is a brilliant idea. Let's lead the church to do this. No, no, no. These are things that are found, although that would be amazing, right? You guys would appreciate that. Little pop culture rhythms. No, these are rhythms found in the life of Christ. These are rhythms that Christ himself practiced. Christ was a disciple. It says that he learned obedience through what he suffered, but he grew in favor with God and man. We're walking that same path as Christ. So let's talk about prayer. All right, the first thing we have here is that Jesus, here's, here's the proof. I'm proving it to you. Here we go. Luke uh, chapter 5, verse 16, and then Luke 11, two different scriptures here. It says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Come on. The next one, it says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So we're emulating what Jesus did, and we're emulating what the disciples did. So it is totally okay for us to go ahead and do what he did, to learn how he did it, and to do the same thing. Amen? Now, here's some good news for you guys. The good news for you guys is that we have to learn how to pray. I'm encouraged by that. I just put up a great quote here. We just got done in the last couple of weeks talking about meditating on the word, and we talked about listening. Jason gave a great word last week about listening, didn't he? I thought it was fantastic. I listened to the podcast. I also noticed that when he said, hey, Josh is back, you guys were like, yeah, who cares? You were great without him. And that hurt me. That hurt me very deeply. But Jason, I thank you because you, you, thank you. Thank you, you know. All right. This is a fantastic quote uh, by Ruth Haley Barton. She wrote uh, Sacred Rhythms, which I encourage you to get this book. Very encouraging book. Um, But anyway, here's a quote, and I'll just read it. It has become increasingly difficult for me to distinguish prayer as a spiritual discipline from all the others. The longer I journey in the spiritual life, the more I experience all of life as prayer and the other disciplines as different ways of praying. That's just a little taste here of where we're going today. But isn't that a beautiful thought that, you know, when you think about that scripture, pray without ceasing, that can be really freaky, at least for me, if I only have one picture of praying and most of it just involves a lot of like begging God to do stuff and trying to keep my mind focused on him. I don't know if any of you relate. You don't have to raise your hand, but that's kind of, that was how I started. I'm just going to pray really hard and just try to pray without ceasing. This is a beautiful picture here of what it could be that everything that we're doing 
we have tuned our hearts and we've willed to know God and to pray without ceasing, and suddenly we find that our life is a life of prayer, a lifestyle of prayer. Come on. So I want to talk to you here today about prayer, but I want to talk about something that has been absolutely, um, gosh, I hate it because I'm, I, I know that I'm a romantic person. Have you guys noticed that? I'm a little sentimental. I'm a little romantic. I know. I know. But God really, he made me this way and he likes it. So I, I don't want to hype it too much, but this has been one of, in, in my life anyway, this has been one of my favorite life-changing encouragements in the area of prayer. Now, it may not be for you, but I think it will be, and I want to share it with you today. And George Mueller, who is amazing. How many of you guys know who George Mueller is? A couple of you. Good. Well, I get to introduce you to one of my heroes. George Mueller lived during the 1800s, and he was in, uh, he was in UK, and what he did was they had a serious orphan problem then. And George Mueller, as a follower of Christ, he truly believed that God was calling him to take care of the orphans. How many of you know orphans and widows, the poor, the foreigners, and those that are in prison are on God's top five in the kingdom, huh? You cannot open scripture and not find that. So, of course, as a follower of Christ, he noticed the orphans needed to be taken care of. However, George Mueller, in his walk with the Lord, believed that God wanted to use his life as a demonstration of the power of prayer and God's ability to take care of his people. So George Mueller purposed in his heart that he would open an orphanage and he would care for the orphans of this world in the place where he was called. And he would do all of this without doing a couple of things. Number one, without going into debt, which is pretty darn virtuous all by itself. How'd you like that word sandwich? Darn virtuous. That's right. I repent. Okay. So, but he went further than that and said, I'm not going to even publish or tell anyone what our needs are. And he did. And George Mueller lived a life of prayer and he would go into, he looked at that scripture where Jesus said, when you pray, go into your prayer closet and ask your father in secret and then he will reward you in public. And George set out to prove that the scriptures were true and that the father would keep that promise and he did. And God provided millions of dollars and we're back in the 1800s when millions of dollars was like millions of dollars. Thank you. Thank you and I. We're just, I'm just going to keep it right here. Just encouraged, right? Right here. The rest of you, you can join her because she is rocking this thing. Hallelujah. Okay. So at any rate, God came through and answered George Mueller's prayers. And God absolutely not only took care of the orphans, not only took care of George Mueller, but he also sent millions of dollars to missions during this whole season. So this is something. I just want to give you a little bit of his resume. This champion of the faith before I read to you what he learned, all right? So let's jump into this together. You guys ready? Are you curious? You're kind of quiet this morning. Is it, is it me? Because I like to make it all about me. Here we go. This is George from his journal. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. I just want to, I just want to stop right here. This is free, but this is huge. I want you to say this. First, I must eat. Yeah, this is huge. You know how when you're on the airplane and they tell you if there's a problem and the oxygen mask, mask comes down, 
that you have to put it on yourself before you put it on your kid. Do you know why they tell you that? Because you're going to die if you don't put that thing on. You'll never get to your kid. You have a few seconds and all the oxygen has left. And the minute you exhale, you have nothing to bring back in unless you get that oxygen mask on. You can't save anybody else unless you yourself are saved. You can't give away what you don't have. You can't serve a starving world if you yourself have not been satisfied. Are you hearing this? So this is a huge deal. When you and I are coming to the Lord in prayer, it's okay for us to come realizing we are absolutely, completely, and totally dependent upon him for our next breath of air. Put your mask on first. You got to eat before you can help somebody else or you will faint on the way. All right, come on, Josh, that was good. Here we go, so the next one. For I might seek to set the truth before the unconverted. So this is him, he's saying, if I don't feed myself first, I might seek to set the truth before the unconverted. I might seek to to benefit believers. I might seek to relieve the distressed, and yet... Not being happy in the Lord and not being nourished and strengthened my inner man day by day. And all of this might not be attended to in a right spirit. This is George Mueller's saint that he is saying, I might be a real jerk about the way that I show the love of the Lord. I might be not showing the fruit of the Lord that anybody else would want. I might try to do the right things, but I would do it in such a way that nobody else is at all jealous or seeking to see who's motivating me. They're like, I see what you're bringing, and I'm better without it. But George found, no, I must pray. I must seek the Lord. I must begin in that place. And he continues. Now, I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to meditation on it. That thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, and that thus, while meditating, I love whilst, this is the 1800s, whilst, Meditating, my heart might be brought into experimental, which means experiential, communion with the Lord. We just took communion this morning. What are we saying? He's Emmanuel. He is God with us. When we take communion, he is God with us. When we read the word, he is the word. He is God with us. If you want to be with him, you read the word and you find I'm with him. Amen? The Lord just had to tell me a little secret there is all. I didn't lose my place. Yes, Lord. Oh, I can't tell them? Okay, then I'll just continue. The first thing I did after having asked in a few words the Lord's blessing upon his precious word was to begin to meditate on the word of God, searching, as it were, into every verse to get blessing out of it, not for the sake of public ministry of the word, not for the sake of preaching on what I had meditated upon, but for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. Come on, say that, food for my own soul. soul. You know that God cares about your soul? He does, the Bible talks about your soul. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm gonna prove that to you in a minute. He cares about your soul. He wants to nourish your soul. He wants to give you everything that you need. And there's nowhere else where you and I can go except for to him. And he's given us the word. He's given us the bread of life. And we've got to eat every single day. Now he says, the result I found to be almost invariably this, that after a very few minutes, my soul has been led to confession 
or to thanksgiving or to intercession or to supplication so that though I did not, as it were, give myself to prayer but to meditation, and yet it turned almost immediately more or less into prayer. I dwell so particularly on this point because of the immense spiritual profit and refreshment I am conscious of having derived from it myself. And I affectionately and solemnly beseech all of my fellow believers to ponder this matter. Come on. Now, here's, here's what I want to show you. Meditation is the missing link between Scripture and prayer. We talked about Scripture. We've talked about uh, meditation. We've talked about listening. But for many of us, what we've found when it comes to prayer in our walk is that the prayer side of our life is not always a fun place to go. You don't have to raise your hand, but I think a lot of you identify with me on this. I don't think that I'm a, a, a unique human being that has had struggles sometimes in praying, has come from a place where it's like, that is not a life-giving, awesome place for me to go. For me, prayer has been, for, for much of my life, has been my spiritual list. It's like a to-do list that I have to come share with the Lord. And then on that list, by the way, and they stack up on me, by the way, is all this impossible, broken stuff in the world that just discourages the bejeebers out of me. So it's like, I, I mean, after a while, I'm just like, I want to pray, but then I just want to get away from that place because there's impossible things that aren't happening yet, and then it just becomes the place where I go to be disappointed but I mean I'm just being honest nobody else is feeling that huh okay well you guys are awesome and I thank you for being way ahead of me on this prayer thing luckily we didn't stay there the, the elders are calling an emergency meeting we got to get Josh off of this <laughs> might need to send that guy to some ministry time with the Sozo team okay now here's what I want to say what's amazing about this is that there can be a shift here. Why is meditation important as a part of prayer? Why has George Mueller found this life-giving place in the area of meditation on the scriptures as a, as a shifting point? What is it about that? What's changed? And I want to break that down and then we get to practice today. You guys, have you been enjoying practicing, by the way, as we're doing this rhythms situation? You enjoying practicing? All the extroverts are like, yeah, it's all right, it's great. I get to talk to people and all the introverts are like, I'd like to do that on my own at home. Well... One of the things that George Mueller shared in a longer version of this uh, journal entry is he shared that in his faithfulness to pray for the first several years of ministry, which, by the way, he was getting results, but he began to see greater results in prayer, but also a greater result of peace in his own life as he began to meditate on the Scripture for the reasons that I just shared with you. But he found before he started by having a few words of prayer and then meditating on the Scripture, what he found was... His mind would wander. How many of you guys, when you go to pray, and please do raise your hand this time, find your mind wandering, right? It's just all over the place. It's just like a happy little puppy just running around. <laughs> Ooh, and you're just, it makes you crazy, doesn't it? Mine does. Mine is a naughty puppy. It just goes all over the place. Like, get back here. So what he found was, even if he did pray for an hour, like a half hour of it was just trying to rein in his thoughts, just trying to get his mind to like stay doing the very thing he was trying to do. And what he said was, as he began to meditate on the scriptures, this almost completely stopped. And, uh, and as I've been practicing this in my life, you, got, you know what, saints? I would just like to toss in my tiny little testimony. I'm still not at George Mueller access or 
whatever level that's at yet. I haven't seen the millions. Um, but praise be to God, we're seeing things change. But here's what I have found. My mind is stayed on Christ. My mind is stayed on the things that I'm actually trying to focus on because I'm focusing on the scriptures. So I just want to tell you, this works. This is amazing. Now, am I still capable of uh, letting my mind wander? Well, of course I am. I mean, good night. I could barely even preach a sermon without going off a little bit, so that's still a little bit of that, but you guys will do better than I am. Now, let's look at this principle. Let's look at this principle of meditating on the scriptures in the scriptures. Look at this. Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. God cares about your soul. God wants to restore your soul. When God breathed into us, it says we became a living soul. He breathed his own spirit into us. We're seated in Christ. Christ is in us. We've also been given a body. And when he breathed into this body, we became a soul. And how many of you know that your soul gets tired, your soul gets weary, your soul gets disappointed, and God cares about your soul. He cares about you. He doesn't break you into little parts and just relate to certain parts of you. He takes care of all of you. And I want to show you this. The first thing it says is the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. When you're meditating on the scriptures, your soul He's beginning to be restored. And then it goes further. The testimony of the Lord. What is the testimony of the Lord? What he has done. Who he is and how he rolls and what he's done and how he's going to do it again. And what does it do? It's sure. It's solid. It's not shaking. It doesn't read the, 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 the latest tweet. It doesn't read what's trending. It doesn't read the front page and go, oh, no. No, it is sure, the testimony of the Lord is sure that what he has done, he will continue to do and he will do again. What he has promised has not changed, he will fulfill it. It is sure. And what happens? What happens? It makes us wise. I have no problem with it, making wise the simple. Come on, just give it to me straight, baby. I am a simple man. And he makes me wise. The precepts of the Lord are right and they rejoice the heart. How many of us come in the minute that we sit still? You know, Jason talked about this. You know, it's like when we get still, what happens? Your soul starts talking is what happens. Your broken heart starts talking. All the things that are still pending that, that haven't been answered yet, they start making noises. And you got a couple of choices. Basically, one is to do what this is saying to do. And to begin to meditate on the promises and the character and the, and the wisdom and the, and, the, and the commandments and the precepts and the testimonies of God. And to allow God to do these things for you. Or the other one is to get running, get, get moving, get distracted, get a drink, get some food, get another job, get in a fight. But for goodness sake, get. Because otherwise you're going to hear from your soul. You're going to hear from your heart. Well, here's the good news. Let your soul speak. Let your heart speak. Let them come up because God wants to speak these things to your soul and to your heart. So what you do is you make room. That's coming up. But when it comes up, you're already looking at the scriptures. Do you see this? You're out in front of it. You're coming and you're saying, hey, soul, I made you a sandwich. And your soul's like, thank you because I am starving. Hey, heart, I brought you a hug. Thank you. Because I was breaking. 
I brought you joy. Thank you, because I was discouraged. See, when we begin to meditate on Scripture, what's happening is the Scriptures are answering the cries and the calls of your heart and your soul. And it continues. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Jesus talked a lot about our eyes, didn't he? He said, if your eye is dark, your whole life is dark. But what does he say? Look to me. Where do I look? I look into his commandments. What are his commandments? The commandments of love. Love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and have no other gods before you. And then... Love others as I have loved you. Those are his commandments. And what does that say about him? What does that say about him? It says that he was not willing that any should be lost, that he is merciful and just, that he is kind and, and, and that he continues to work, that he never sleeps, that he never slumbers. And when I begin to look at that, what happens? My eyes begin to light up. I begin to see things from a beautiful perspective of the kingdom of heaven instead of from the perspective of where I live right now. Instead of looking and saying, how am I going to leverage all this poverty so that somebody can be okay? Then I look and I go, well, they paved the streets with gold up there. There must be an answer around here somewhere. God has so much gold, he paves streets with it. So poverty must not be the problem here. So, Father, what's the problem? My eyes become enlightened and I start to ask a different question. I start to pray a different way. I start to come at the problem with a different perspective. Are you guys with me? And then something happens. Now that I'm meditating and and God is restoring my soul, I'm eating. I'm eating first. God is restoring my soul. I'm not even really coming to him with questions yet. I've just come and meditated on the scriptures and allowed that to shape the way that I would pray. It shapes the way that I would think, just as we're seeing, just as George Mueller said, you know, it doesn't take long before suddenly I'm, 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 I'm challenged by the scriptures. We're going to look at some scriptures here in a moment. I got some stuff I'm excited about, but I want him to say it to you directly, so... What are we talking about? It begins to confront you. It begins to reprove you. It begins to encourage you. It begins to call you to something else. And pretty soon you're repenting. Father, forgive me. I forgot that you said this. Father, heal me. I just realized there's healing available again. It never went away. I just forgot there was there. Father, I'm praying for mercy for my neighbor that I was kind of hoping you would kill yesterday. But I realized here you don't kill people. Sorry about that, Lord. I'm asking for mercy for them now. Amen? So then something happens. How many of you have heard that scripture that out of the multitude of the heart, the mouth speaks? Yeah, that terrifies me. You should hear the things that come out of my mouth. I'm like, that was in there? I thought I was just being funny. (laughs) Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You see, when we meditate on the word, the result is that our words and the meditation of our heart shift. Now, suddenly, I'm praying a different kind of prayer. The words of my mouth begin to match the heart of my Father. The meditations of my heart begin to match the character of God. And how did I get there? Did I get there by starting with the problems? No. I got there by starting with the solution. And that solution, as it says in the word, the truth shall set you free. The only one who can set us free, the only one who can redeem all things is a person. That truth, that person is Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. 
And his name is Emmanuel, and he is with me, and suddenly i got a whole different way I'm going to pray. Isn't that beautiful? So as, as we, in the mornings, and we've been talking about this, this let, me get, let me get real practical here. If you don't schedule a time to do this, then at least 95% of the time you will not do this. I'm giving you a little grace there. I left you 5%. Five is the number for grace. So we got to schedule a time. We're talking about rhythms. How many of you have scheduled a time where you're like, hey, I know how my life works. I know when I have my best set aside for the Lord. I know where I'm going to meet with him. For most of us, I won't, I won't cushion this. For most of us, that's in the morning. People for ages and generations say, early in the morning will I direct my prayer. For most of us, it's the morning. For some of you, you're in a unique situation and your best is in a different place. Just make sure it's your best. Make sure it's your first fruits for him. So we're not going to get religious and say, well, if you don't, you don't get up before the sun, the Lord ain't even listening. I'm not saying that. But for most of us, you need to get up sometime when the sun gets up. Because it's the beginning of your day. That's where you gather manna. When do you eat breakfast? Okay, I think I've said enough on that. So, here we go. You guys ready to practice this? All right, so schedule a time. Schedule a time where you're doing these things. These are rhythms. Rhythm means daily and weekly. And that's what we're talking about. And this is a daily one. And this is many times daily because it becomes a part of who you are. But there is a time. There's a time that you set aside that's specific. Just you and daddy. Just you and your big brother Jesus who loves to have you all to himself. And Holy Spirit, come on. All right, so we're going to practice here. Let's look at this principle. We've looked at it and how it, how it works. We've looked at, at the idea of beginning to meditate on something. Now we're going to practice. And we're going to start in the same place where the, where the disciples started. They were with him. It says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. And uh, Tyler, why don't you come on up. Um, when he ceased praying, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say this prayer. And I took this one out of Luke, so it doesn't have the, the last part that we see in the other gospel, uh, which says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. But it's implied. So what I want, want to do now is we're going to take a moment. We're, going to, we're actually going to take two minutes. And I want you to just meditate on the words of Jesus, of what he showed us that when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Now, I, I do get the joy of getting to be an equipping minister here in this house. So I want to let you know, Jesus gave us this prayer. It's an outline of a much longer prayer. But what he did was he summarized the outline of when you pray, this is the outline. This is the summary of what my daddy's doing. This is what I want happening on the earth. This is what's going on. Pray with this outline in mind. Pray from this foundation of the understanding of how the kingdom of heaven works. So there's a, this, this is rich. This is rich. So we're just going to invite now. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come. You're already here, but we're asking that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding. We'd be more aware of our Father in heaven, of our, our big brother, our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. 
You're the comforter. Would you come and teach us now, instruct us now as we meditate, Lord. Let us meditate on your word, on the person of God that you would direct us in this time. We ask, Holy Spirit, for your leadership. Now, I just invite you to just, just read these words. And you can open up to Luke 11 in your own Bible if you want. We're going to take two minutes. And I just want you to meditate, meditate. And then as things come, you just, just in a whisper, go ahead and pray what the Lord brings. Just go ahead and let him show you. you through some thoughts because I just want to invite you into mine my, my conversation with the Lord in a moment like this as, as I'm meditating and I'm just going to walk through and you can be a fly on the wall here but and this isn't the right way this is this this is this day's conversation all right and you're having your conversation so I begin to meditate our father in heaven holy hallowed be your name father you're a dad. Thank you that you're a dad. Thank you that your name is holy, that you don't change your mind, that you don't, you don't become something less than. You keep a standard that I can go to, and that standard is that you're a dad, a good dad. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not what the king, not these other kingdoms, not these other ideas, not these other places, not these broken things. Your kingdom. Let it be done. Let it be done on earth. Now, not later, now. You want me to pray this every time I pray, Lord, let your kingdom come now. I'm asking it for it to come now. I'm asking for those broken places, for those, for those places of mental illness. God, let your kingdom come now. I'm asking for it to come now in relationships. I'm asking for it to come in the places where, where I'm still willing to compromise, Lord. Let your kingdom come now in that place, Lord. 
Thank you that it's coming. Thank you that you give me the opportunity to ask you, my holy dad, to come and to bring your kingdom, to bring your kingdom in those places. That's what I ask, Lord. Give us day by day our daily bread. Lord, thank you that I can ask you for everything that's needed. Thank you that I don't need to worry about tomorrow because I got some things that are coming up, Lord. But you provided everything for today for me. Thank you that you said, give us our daily bread, not just me, not just the really super spiritual people over there, but this guy too. Lord, and that you're gonna provide my neighbor's bread. Give us today our daily bread, Lord. Provide enough, Lord. God, heal the bread situation, Lord. I pray for those that are celiac, God. I pray for those with gluten allergies, Lord. They need daily bread that doesn't poison them, Father. Lord, I pray that you would move in the area of bread. I pray you'd move in the area of the wheat industry. Lord God, today, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. Lord, thank you that in your prayer that you said when you pray, when you pray, every time you pray, when you pray, that you put in there to repent of my sins. Lord, that gives me hope because I'm working really hard to never, ever, ever sin again. But this makes me think that you're willing to forgive sins because you said to pray for forgiveness. And I also thank you that previously you said that you're holy. So I do aspire to not violate your law, but I thank you that you've made provision today for my sins, of which I now repent. And Lord, I forgive that person that no one here needs to know their name, but I know their name, because you forgive me, Lord, and I thank you for that. And finally, Lord, thank you that you said not to lead us into temptation. Lord, every time that I'm tempted, I feel like such a loser. I feel like, like I should not be tempted anymore. Like I should just be over that. But you said in your prayer here that we would be tempted and that you would lead us from it. So I rebuke you, enemy, for calling me not a son because I'm tempted, for saying I should never be tempted when you're the one tempting me. Lord, thank you that you're leading me away from temptation, that you made provision for that, Lord. So today, Lord, lead me away from temptation. When temptation comes, lead me away. And in all of this, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Isn't that fun? Let's do it again. Because Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't say, this is how you shall pray, and that's all I have to say about prayer. He continues. So we're going to take another couple of moments. We're going to meditate on this, and I encourage you. Let's do this again. Let's meditate on his words. Let your soul come, speak to you, let your heart speak to you, and respond as you meditate on the rest of what he said.
I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting thing that Jesus is saying there? You start looking at this and he goes, so I want, you want to know how to pray? Well, I want you to pray for my Father's kingdom to come, for your Father's kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth to give you the daily bread that you need, to forgive your sins, and that you would forgive those who have sinned against you, that you would pray that you'd be delivered from temptation and be delivered from the evil one. And then he turns around, he pivots, and he says, I say to you, keep asking, keep praying, keep asking, keep praying, keep praying and asking. What am I supposed to ask? Did you read the first one? Ask for that. How many times until you see it happen, until the whole kingdom has come? until all of his will has been done, until you've been delivered from all temptation, until the evil one is completely defeated, until everybody that you are angry with is forgiven, until you realize that you've been forgiven. How many times must I repent? As many times as you sin. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep going, keep knocking, keep persevering. And what's wild is Jesus doesn't say. It's, it's like in this moment, I think I would have been leveraging like, hey, and here's the good thing, right? You're already his favorite. So like, you just look at him. You just look at him and be like, Daddy? And he's just gonna shower it down on you. He doesn't say that. He gives a parable of a friend and you show up and be like, dude, I need some bread. And he's like, man, I'm already in bed. Go, go down to Dairy Mart. No, man, I need some bread. Come on, man, I'm already in bed. Man, I really need some, all right, fine, I'm gonna get you the bread. He uses that as the example that he won't give you. He says, in this situation, you didn't get what you needed because you were friends. You got what you needed because you never gave up. You got what you needed because you persevered until you got it. I, children understand this. Children understand this concept. My daughter is a ninja in this concept. She's such a ninja. This happened last night. She comes into my room and says, because Karen had gone over to check on the situation with Nikki and Autumn, who's always got something cooking, comes in, she's like, Daddy, can I just get in bed with you and I'll just stay with you until Mama comes home. I'm like, honey, she's gonna be home in like 15 minutes. Just, just cause I already know, cause the minute Mom comes home, it's like, oh, I need to be tucked in again. And then you're like, uh-huh. And then you're like, oh, and since you're here, can you tell me a story? And then like, oh, but Dad, you didn't tell me a story last night and so you owe me this one. In fact, you owe me two stories cause there's interest. Like she's always doing this. She's got skills. Here's the thing, she knows this parable and she wears me down. So I said, no, go get in your bed. She went and got in her bed 10 minutes later. Daddy, I can't sleep, I'm still awake, I can't sleep. Honey, seriously, she's gonna be home in like 10 minutes. Oh, but I'm kind of scared, I'm kind of worried. No, honey, you're fine, you just wanna sleep in my bed. Get back in the bed, get in your bed. She gets in her bed. The third time she comes in, Daddy, I, I haven't slept at all and she's been there a little while and how about I just, how about I just sleep in your bed? I did not let her sleep in my bed because I have such great affection for cuddling with that little kicking machine. I let her in that bed because she did not give up until she got what she was asking for. You guys, this is what the Lord says to do in prayer. Let's do it one more time here. This is the rest of the story.
So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Well, Lord, I want to remind you that I've been asking and I've not received. I've been asking and I still not received. I've been asking and I still have not received, Lord. Lord, I'm asking for you to move in this situation then. I'm asking, Lord, for, for, for Susan Simonson to be healed, Lord. I'm still asking, and I'm going to thank you for the fact that you've healed me, Lord. But I'm still asking. Lord, I'm still asking. I'm still asking for my brother to be completely healed. I thank you for the little breakthroughs, Lord. But I'm still asking. I'm still asking. I'm praying, Lord, for, for, for my sister, Lord, who, who's dealing with her situation right now, Lord. And I've seen little steps. I've seen little steps, and I'm grateful for it, Father. But I'm still asking because she still hasn't been healed. She still hasn't been healed, Lord. Lord, I'm not angry with you. I'm not accusing you, Lord. But I'm asking. I'm asking, Lord. Lord, I'm not going to get angry with you, Lord. But I'm asking, Lord. What if I'm invited that when God comes and says, hey, Joshua, go and tell that person about my goodness. I mean, I don't know. But what if I said, absolutely, Lord, I'm happy to help you with that. I'm going to follow through on that right now. Hey, you haven't healed my sister yet, Lord, but I'm going. Would that be flippant? Or would that be what he's saying? What if every time that I was obedient, then I reminded my own heart and the heart of my father, that his promises are good. He told me to keep asking. What if there were creative ways for me to continue to keep asking in prayer in the place where I keep feeling like I should stop asking? Because I haven't seen breakthrough yet. But when Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he gave us one key piece. He said, you need to seek, you need to ask, you need to knock. And there's something about persevering in prayer that is absolutely integral to trust. You see, my daughter knows I love her. She knows I will never hurt her. So odds are pretty good that if she doesn't give up, she's gonna get exactly what she wants. I think I act a lot like my dad. Father, we ask that as we pray, we would remember to continue to ask and pray. Lord, we pray that you would open up something fresh in us as a tribe right now, Lord. God, we will to pray. We will to ask. We will to continue. Lord, we're, we're saying we choose to embrace coming to you with a full trust that you will keep your word. So, Lord, for everything that you've not yet answered, we say, Lord, you are good, but we will not settle. We will not change our theology. We will not change what it is that we think should be happening right now because we haven't seen the answer to the prayer. We're simply saying, Lord, we haven't seen the answer to the prayer yet. You are good, and we continue to ask. Are you guys with me? Lord, you are good, but we continue to ask. You're good in this situation, and your grace is sufficient, but, Lord, they're not healed yet, so we ask. I'm not healed yet, so I ask. Amen? The prayer servant team is coming to the front, so if you have anything that you need prayer for, they would love to stand with you and ask. May the Lord bless you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you, and in every part, in every place, 
in every relationship, in everything that you set your hand to. May he give you shalom. Love you guys.